From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in that. Let us uh, be happy and glad that the the Lord has made this day. This is the Bishop's Hour. Appreciate you all being with us, and uh, we're pleased to welcome in uh, Martin Wong uh, from St. John Vianney Parish uh, in Rancho Cordova. Martin, good day to you. Hello, good day to you. Good to, good to hear your voice. Uh, you, you're right there on the cover, well, not the current Catholic Herald, but the July-August Catholic Herald. Did, did you ever think you'd see your face on the front page of the Catholic Herald? Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, it was quite a surprise. I, they didn't tell me it was going to be front cover. They said it was just going to be a small article. And so um, for the youth that I was, you know, uh, for the pictures, um, I told them it was going to be a small article as well. So we were all very surprised. So are you are you having to sign autographs after Mass and things like that? <laughs> I have been asked, but uh, my, I still need to work on my signature. <laughs> tell us uh, First, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I moved to Rancho Cordova about seven years ago, and I'm currently attending St. John Vianney Parish. Mm-hmm. Um, Chinese Catholic, uh, grew up Catholic in the Diocese of Santa Clara. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and so... San Jose? Uh, yes, in San Jose. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. and so you just, uh, you just created a new diocese. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, sorry. <laughs> in uh, Santa, Santa Clara, um, you know, city. And so... Exactly. Um, yeah, so I moved out here and found a home in St. John Vianney, and uh, right now I'm involved. I'm the youth minister of St. John Vianney, uh, the head of the altar server ministry, and also I'm part of the Chinese Catholic community out oh, yeah. in uh, the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament. So do they have they have Mass in uh, various languages at the Cathedral? I don't even know what, what language, but it's for, for uh, uh, Chinese Americans, correct? Yes, absolutely. So we have our Chinese uh, Catholic Mass uh, at the cathedral uh, on Sundays. Oh, that's wonderful. That's a, I, th- I think I attended that once years ago, maybe uh, three in the afternoon, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, it is. A, it's at two p.m., but it goes until three. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very mm-hmm. good. Very good. But is that well attended? Uh, it's well attended. We have a we have a small community, but we are looking at growing it. Um, I'm really targeting the youth and and trying to bring more folks in. Uh, to the Catholic Church. Very good. Very, very good. So, how did you get into youth ministry? I love teaching faith formation. I think faith formation would have been where, um, you know, where I started. So, I was asked to teach catechism, and so I, I um, have a couple of faith formation classes. Uh, but from that, it was um, really seeing uh, the need from these kids to have a space to grow um, and a space, uh, a place to feel um, wanted and needed, and I think that moved me into like creating these ministries. Um, the altar service ministry is really uh, to fill that gap. And talk about what your challenges were early on in youth ministry at, at uh, St. John Vianney. Oh uh, yeah, well I just started as, as youth minister, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so uh, you know we haven't really gone too far yet, but, you know, one of the main challenges for both youth ministry and altar service ministry is throughout COVID, right, a lot of these programs really stopped. And so we're really starting from scratch, and even with altar serving, um, we started with zero altar servers, right, about a year and a half ago. 
And then with youth ministry, um, yeah, these kids have not been in the habit of really worshiping together um, and, and praying together in that way um, for several years now. And so that is one of the large challenge, challenges in terms of the culture shift of this is where, you know, this is what we're doing, um, and this is how it can benefit you and really bring you abundant life and the joy um, that everyone is seeking. So talk about what happened with COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of the shelter at home, uh, within our parishes, a lot of these ministries shut down, altar servers, um, you know, couldn't, uh, we weren't able to serve because of the safety issues. Uh, and uh, alongside of that, uh, Mass was shut down for a while, and so some of these kids have not grown up really in their formative years of being at Mass um, and worshiping in that way and so uh it, it was even harder to sort of like bridge that um to bridge that divide because um people stopped going to mass for several years uh and so yeah being familiar with it uh and really trying to sell it uh you know we'd ask kids when i asked them about being an ultra service like well, what do ultra service do and they had been so long since they had seen ultra servers that they really had no context for what I was asking them to discern into and to participate in. Wow. So so you were down to, what, zero ultra servers for a while? Yeah, we, we started with zero. And so, you know, the first people that came in, um, you know, on fire for their faith, and, you know, that was our core group, right? And then uh, we continued to ask. And... Um, we continue to ask every youth, and really, I, I think for maybe like 80% of the youth at St. John Vianney, I personally went out and asked. I was like, do you want to become an altar server? All right. And really opened up the doors for, for this ministry. So we started from zero, and now at this moment, we're currently at 50 altar servers. Zero to 50? Yeah. That sounds like a, uh, an ad for a sports car. <laughs> it, really, it really is, right? Um, and, the, and really getting them from, like, maybe not really knowing about the Mass, because it had been a while since they had seen the Mass, um, to, to now, you know, serving within the Mass and knowing the Mass and loving the Mass um, has been a really, has been, you know, a true, like, miracle of sorts. Wow. 50, uh, do, do, uh, do you have enough Masses for all of them? <laughs> that is actually kind of a, a fun challenge. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, we have an opportunity to serve, right? And so right. we do have a good amount of masses. Um, in Domiani, we have three Saturday, Sunday, we have three masses, English masses, uh, one Spanish mass, and then uh, once a month we will have one uh, Filipino Tagalog mass, and we will uh-huh. have one in Indonesian mass. And so, um, but you know, starting off with this ministry, I serve at almost every single mass alongside these children, because I want, because I need to walk with them, right, and and, and help them feel safe. And comfortable serving. Nowadays, though, um, I've found myself taking a step back, allowing these youth to serve by themselves. Um, so there's more slots, but also as part of a market of that personal growth that they have all, you know, encountered. What age range are you talking about? Um, so, you know, there's no upper limit for all servers, but we really, um, you know, so we start with anyone who has received Holy Communion. So mm-hmm. that's around third grade. Right. Um, and then uh, uh, the core of our ministry probably in the uh, fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade range. Um, 
And, you know, and a lot of that was because we started the ministry from anew, right? And so as we continue forward, these students, they grow up, um, and they continue within our ministry. And so um, I think demographically we're going to start um, seeing a little bit more of a, like the curve is going to even out. So, wow, you know, the priests will tell me, and, and I, I know the bishop has said it, and I know that uh, uh, Father Memo, the director of vocations, has said that uh, sometimes that's where vocations come from, is mm-hmm. is from people who have been altar servers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are, are you seeing that as well in, in your ministry? You know, these are, these are young yeah, younger kids, and you know, in the beginning of that discernment right, process, right? Exactly. Absolutely. You know, you can see the seeds being planted. All right. Um, one of the things that has been, you know, really powerful has been really using the language of discernment, right? Because I, I don't ask, do you want to be an altar surfer? Right. But I ask, do you think you're being called to be an altar surfer? Or even deeper, depending on the, the child, like, do you think God is calling you to be an altar surfer? Mm-hmm. Right. So it moves away from, you know people's fears, their anxieties, but it goes into, like, what am I being called to do? Where, where am I needed? Right? And so that sort of language of discernment has, has I've helped a lot of these children um, sort of get beyond themselves and into the mystery of their calling. Um, and, and I think those seeds are going to continue further um, into their young adulthood as they really think about, like, where am I needed within the church um, and where am I being called right? outside of my own fears and anxieties. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that, that question, and, and as we, uh, and for those that decide not to become a server, right, the beauty is that, like, we don't stop the conversation there, right? The next question is then, well, if you aren't, don't feel like you're being called to be an officer server, well, first of all, why? Like, where did you come to that conclusion? And, and if it's, you know, these are good reasons, then it's like, well, then where else do you think you're called to be part of the church? Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's not nowhere, right? And so yeah, it's it not nowhere. That's exactly for, right. Yeah. Exactly, right? And it opens the door. And so, and, but this is like part of this role as like an officer of ministry that we ask these kids. But if they say no, it's not like, okay, well, then bye, right? It goes further to be like, okay, well, then where else might, do you think you might be called? Could it be lecturing or, you know, could it be some kind of Bible study? Um, and we continue to like... Um, really invite these children into the parish life, right? And in my context, obviously, altar servers, but um, there's this greater um, revival, there's this greater awakening um, that I'm hoping that that we're doing one kid at a time, right? Mm-hmm. And, and every kid's different. You know, I, I, I mm-hmm. look back at when I was that age and when some of my kids were that age, and and, and they're different. Uh, some are, are a lot bolder. Some are a lot <laughs> more adventurous. And, and, and I don't mean uh, they're <laughs> rambunctious. I just mean adventurous. They're willing to, to take a risk. They're willing to try something new. Uh, whereas some of us are shy and retiring. Uh, the, the notion of walking down the aisle and being in fr- up o- in front of everybody at Mass mm-hmm. is terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we have we have a, a good amount of altar servers that absolutely did start there. Um, the nervous, right? Mm-hmm. The shaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we do the check-ins before it's like, you know, um, how do you feel right now? I'm nervous. You know, is your heart beating? And, like, um, all of them are really, like, you know, to the point of, like, panicking. Um, what really helps do that is, um, you know, obviously the physicality of, like, you know, take a breath. And we say, you know, Breathe in the Holy Spirit and then breathe mm-hmm. out your fears, your anxieties, your worries. 
Um, but then also reassuring them that like I'm gonna work, I'm gonna be there every step of the way because I, I serve with every single new altar server at least the first time. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But to say like I'm gonna be with you every single step of the way and um, and really walking with them, reassuring them, and it does take time to build up that space so that they can become courageous, right? Um, and to step out and to do these things. But I've seen like incredible growth, especially in our shy servers of like are you prepared and after and given the amount of time and they really grow out of their shell um because we've created that space for them to to uh to trust right that the feeling of trust uh and and uh in, in terms of their service yeah I'm, I'm guessing if you've done it a few times and you get over you know if you've made a few mistakes uh that you eventually get much more comfortable but i, th- I think mm-hmm. that it may it may keep some kids from even giving it a, a try just because of that that fear that they're they're gonna uh, and it's not even a necessarily a fear that they're gonna mess up it's it's more mm-hmm. just a uh, that I I mean I can remember when I was in grade school and it came time to present your you know your report on <laughs> on wheat growing or something you know and yeah. and and you had to stand up in front of the class and I'm a, I'm a, like speechless just. Uh, <laughs> You know, words wouldn't come out. Yeah, and to, and and you know, we talk a little bit about that fear. Um, to put it into words, when altar servers, when these kids start, the fear is I don't want to mess up because I, I'm going to be embarrassed. Right. right. Sure. But over time, that fear evolves, um, and and like the hearts are, are being refined um, to the point where it becomes the fear of I don't want to mess up because I found beauty in the math. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. don't want to distract from that, right? And there's there's that purification of desires that happens within our altar service. It's really beautiful um, because it it turns them from looking inward to now being to looking outward at Christ, mm-hmm. right? And from that flows. Well, then my solution is prayer, right? My solution is not to dive deeper into myself, but to look outward and to like God, I need you in this moment because you are the reason why I'm here, right? And so. And and from that, my servers they begin worrying about the the banal, you know, the the rituals and, and the standing and kneeling and where to go. But then the purification of the heart, and they turn into into worshiping and singing during mass, right? Um, and fully worshiping. And you see them even outside the context of altar serving them doing the same things while they're in their seats in their pews, right? So it flows uh, from that. And I find yeah, and I tell them even when you're not wearing the alb you're still representing this ministry. Um, you can be an altar server in your seat in the pew, right, in the way that we, we, we participate in the Mass. And so there's, there's certainly beauty there, even in recognizing where the fear and anxiety comes from. And we can talk about it very explicitly, right, and be like, why are you worried? Where is that coming from? And, so, and help these, these kids really deconstruct that. So... How much training is there before they're <laughs> they're cut loose up there? How does and, and it maybe describe the training how how it comes about? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so our our new server training is um, two hours, and so uh, our training begins as sort of a little bit more uh, uh, theological. Right? So we begin with talking about like what alter server is, mm-hmm. and so I break it into like three parts. It's a job, so we have tasks. It's a ministry, so we minister to people, right? So it's very so in terms of like how we stand, how we sit, um, and then the third piece is it's a vocation. So the first piece of like it's a job. This is what people 
see. Second piece, it's a ministry. This is what people feel, right? Are we a bridge from them to Christ? And then third piece, it's the vocation. It's what we receive. So are we being called uh, in this moment, lowercase vocation, and then bigger case vocation, um, what, are, what could we be called further into priesthood, marriage, religious life, consecrated single? And so we begin really on the theological portion, right? Um, before even entering into, like, parts of the church and, like, items, you know, sacred items, or going into, like, um, the, mass, the order of the Mass, which is right afterwards, right? But I really wanted to put a focus on that, that formation part of things. Um, so that our youth know that, like, this is important, right? It's not, it's not just service, right? But it is really, um, it's prayer. It is, it is um, being part of your church family, serving your church family, and, and, you know, being home. And so, you know, that's what the, and so we fill it with two hours, maybe about an hour for the formation, and then the second piece is um, the order of the Mass. Uh, because mm-hmm. and the order of the math is something that we continue to reinforce as they serve their first time, their second time, their third time. After that, um, the formation, uh, what, we ha- what we've been looking at is, like, how can we sort of expand people's understanding of the math? And so one of the things I'm hoping for in this coming year is whether we can attend math um, within different Catholic rites, right? So mm-hmm. sure we can go to Latin math and sort of see um, how our other Christian Catholic brothers and sisters worship or the Eastern Orthodox. Um, or, you know, some of, uh, some of the other Catholic masses um, within our diocese and the beauty of that and to sort of see um, our greater church communities because um, we have altar service as well. And so there's this greater formation, um, and then we continue to talk about vocation, um, uh, uh, like end-of-year events where we'll have at the very least one talk about vocation and what it means to, um, to be called by God to love, you know, certain things. Right, to love certain things, certain people, right? Whether in marriage, loving your spouse, whether in priesthood, right? Loving and marrying um, the church. Are there are there do's and don'ts that you uh, tell them? Uh, in terms of like, what do you mean? Well, uh, you know, I mean, okay, here's here's here are the the, the things you do when you're up there, when you're <laughs> on the altar, and here's some no nos. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Like you're not, you don't wave at your friends. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and that, that was, that was, that's interesting that you bring that up because that was a conversation that I had on an office there uh-huh. <laughs> quite recently. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, don't wave to your friends. Uh, uh, it is really um, the surrender of yourself. Right? Uh-huh. Like I know uh-huh. that you want to say hi to your friends. Sure, you know it's not moment, a, it's not a yeah. it's not something that's that's morally wrong or right. you know it's not bad behavior to wave to right. your friends, but it's not yeah. appropriate. Right, and and explain to the youth like why that would be, and so yeah, I mean the do's and don'ts. Um, so what, know, what would you what would you say to that to that uh, kid who yeah. <laughs> who says is it okay to wave at my friends? Why is it not okay to wave to their friends? Right. Um, I probably, I bring it back to, like, we're here to serve, right? And mm-hmm. so when you're serving, um, you know, you're putting your whole self up to right. God, right? You're lifting yourself up to God. And so um, wherever the priest is, wherever the lector is, mm-hmm. and whatever is happening, right, we put our entire focus on that. Right. And so right. Uh, we imagine that, hey, if you were with me and we were hanging out and we were having, like, a great talk, you know, let's say coffee, um, 
and like you were to turn around and start talking to a friend that came up to the coffee shop, I would feel either in some ways disrespected or I would just feel kind of sad because yeah. I had meant for you know this time for us to be in communion together. And so when we're serving, actually, it's a it's it's a dying of self to you know to be with God, whole body, person, and spirit, um, and and to teach these youth how to do that and to focus, um, even when it's difficult. I and mean, because there have been there can be difficult masses. When that's sure. long, when it's the Easter vigil and we're at midnight, right? Right. But to, to, to coach these youth, like, you know, that's okay, right? Have that feeling and, like, we validate that feeling and then lift it up to Christ, right? I, I want to hang out with my friends. That could be the Holy Spirit speaking to you, right? And so when is the time to do so? But, um, and, and, to, and to really discern when, um, but, you know, not to, not to throw it away, but to see, like, okay, the Holy Spirit's telling me that I, I want to reach out to this friend. Let's do it after Mass and, and see the beauty that can come from that. Do most of the kids that come for altar uh, server training uh, end up becoming altar servers? I mean, is it a high percentage? It is a high percentage. Even, it's like, I would say 95%. Oh, Even that's though great. when I tell kids to come, I say there's no commitment. It is just to come and see. Right, because I don't want I don't want our youth to discern no to altar server without knowing what it is that they're discerning into or out of. Right, and so I say just come and see, and 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 towards the end, right, you can decide whether you want to or not. And I found that like when when they when they have a better understanding of it, they're better able to discern. And yeah, I mean, uh, ninety five of it is the yes. I do worry at the moment that like. There aren't that many ministries that are open to youth, and there weren't even that many ministries that were open to youth when I was growing up. Um, it was really altar server was like youth core. Lecter had kind of a subset of youth, but if you're looking to serve the church, those are really like the altar server was the main one, right? And so um, I, I'm hoping that you know with more ministries that serve youth, perhaps that discernment will be a little bit more complete, right? Where it's like instead of you thinking, like, oh, I want to serve the church. Well, it's altar server or nothing, right? And so, because, um, you know, because you asked about how many discern into it, 95%, but I am curious if we had more of a, a fleshed-out, like, youth liturgy ministries and fleshed-out youth ministries, and if that might sway where kids are saying, like, okay, well, I understand what this is, but I feel like I might be called in this direction instead. We're talking with Martin Wong, who's the uh, youth minister and uh, altar server trainer at uh, St. John Vianney Parish in Rancho Cordova. In the, in the Herald, you, uh, you give some tips. You give some s- six tips here. Don't allow children to discern yes or no without fully knowing what they're discerning. Invite them to a training without the pressure of a commitment. Mm-hmm. Once they put on the all it changes their perspective and their imagination about what is possible for them and what they're called for. I think think that's very good advice. Thank you, yeah. Uh, And and I think that does contribute to the the great amount of youth that once they go into the training, right, they've already said yes, right? Um, And I tell them, you know, it's not random that they have entered into this space, but that they have been called, right? And and God is going to use that small yes and turn into great things. And so once they do start walking up, start processing, they have their hands in the prayerful position, um, physically it influences them spiritually, and, and, and from that yes flows 
this greater yes of okay now now I'm ready to start that mass. Um, but uh, it, it really is lowering those barriers of like, well, you you can only come if you want to get trained, right? And I open it up to youth that are even like don't potentially don't qualify for altar serving because they haven't received their first communion yet. Uh-huh. Because the formation of like learning and understanding the math is is um, is important and and, and life giving to to really anyone, right? And so um, it, it is. Um, and so we open it up to really anyone uh, for for that to, to attend that training. Talk about the role of parents in this. I've had some parents are very proud and mm-hmm. and very encouraging. I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, parents are one of the biggest like um, sort of like factors in of this the child's enthusiasm for coming into and becoming an altar mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I find that this ministry, yes, we have 50 children, but I, I, I think of it more as like 50 families, right? Because as, and so much as the child is um, sacrificing of their time, the families are also sacrificing of the time to get there early and to prepare their child for altar serving. And so um, within our ministry, it becomes like really the core of the parish uh, because these are kids that are on fire for their faith, but these are also parents that are willing to sacrifice up their time to support these children, right? And so we have parents that are very supportive. We also have parents that are only there because their child has answered the call, yes. Mm-hmm. And there's beauty in that, like, that sacrifice of, like, yeah, I mean, this is not, you know, this is not something that I fully, you know, fully am invested in in terms of the church, but my child has chosen to do so, right? And I think there's incredible beauty in that. And these parents, they become more involved when their kids are involved. Sure. Um, yeah, sure. And, and so it's a, it, their whole family kind of gets drawn back into the church. And so that's why I do consider as, like, you know, the entire family, um, the, the excitement is infectious, right? And the blessings that flow from just one child saying yes, it flows into families saying yes. Yeah, and other siblings. And, you know, I'm not, I would ne- never compare the uh, mass to Little League Baseball, but, you know, there are a lot of parents out there who don't give a hoot about baseball, and all of a sudden uh, one of their kids is playing Little League, and there they are sitting behind home plate, and all of a sudden they're baseball fans, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's even, I mean, obviously it's different with mass, but it's still that, that parental pride and parental caring about their kids and what their kids are are in, involved in. That's uh, a great way to get the parents to mass if maybe they're not going, and, and by golly, they'll, it'll, it'll wear off on them too. It's pretty darn hard to go to, to mass and not be drawn in, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and these parents see their child changing as well because of the ministry, because of the service that they put in, um, mm-hmm. and, and that also absolutely draws them in. And a child shall leave like, them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So some of, some of your uh, other tips, meet children. I, I really like this. Meet children where they are. Collaborate with, with uh, formation teachers and bring initial training sessions to their classrooms. I, I think that's real important. Whoop, Martin, did we lose you there? I think we, uh, I think we may have lost Martin. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a very important one. Another one, he, uh, extend intentional invitations to children who may seem to be on the cusp of disengagement. Walk with them to bring them back and immerse them in the mystery of the Mass. 
Be involved in accompanying youth, celebrating life events, and monitoring any hint of burnout. Uh, volunteering can lead to a vulnerable spot where people become overwhelmed. Mentor children as complete human beings. Be intentional in guiding them to grow and connect with other sacraments and their opportunities to serve. For example, sibling baptisms, First Communion, Confirmation, RCIA rites, funerals, and special celebrations. And another tip from Martin Wong, uh, adopt the vocational language of discernment and accept a child's beautiful choice to discern whether God may be calling them elsewhere. Then also follow up and ask, where are you called? Where do you see yourself fitting into this parish family? Work hard as spiritual directors to not accept disengagement and disvestment from the parish family. Just really, really uh, uh, very solid tips, if you will. And uh, uh, so M Martin Wong is uh, the uh, youth minister there at St. John Vianney Parish in Rancho Cordova. And we greatly appreciate him taking the time to be with us. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more on a Bishop's Hour right after this. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the, the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916 725 
4720 or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. Good morning. This is Sister Maria, and I'm the Formation Director for the Seminarians, and you are listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Sister Maria, for all the great work you do here in the Diocese of Sacramento, and thanks for that wonderful introduction. Catholic Ministry Days is coming up at the end of the month, uh, not quite the end of the month, September 22nd, Friday, September 23rd, Saturday, all at St. Francis Catholic High School, our beautiful Catholic high school here in the Diocese of Sacramento, the theme this year is Real Presence, Real Life with Open Hands. Um, and indeed, it is with open hands as we are in the Eucharistic revival. As well, uh, according to the, uh, the flyer for World Youth Day, we are excited to invite all of you to join Bishop Soto and ministry leaders from all over the diocese to ministry days on Friday and Saturday, September 22 and 23 at St. Francis High School in Sacramento. This year's event features excellent keynote speakers, workshops, mass with Bishop Soto, excellent resources for your ministry, and an opportunity to network with colleagues in ministry, uh, again, at St. Francis Catholic High School. And, and people are coming from all over the diocese, all 20 counties of this great diocese, uh, stretching all the way to the Oregon border to the Pacific Ocean and to Nevada, and then down to the south to uh, the Diocese of Stockton. Friday features a formation and networking day for all the faculty and staff of our Catholic schools and a retreat day in English and Spanish for parish staff teams or individuals. Friday evening, our young adult ministry team will host a Theology on Tap event for young adults. Saturday features a day of formation for all Catholics involved in ministry with a keynote presentation and over 30 different workshops in both English and Spanish. This year, as the National Church continues the Eucharistic revival, our theme is Real Presence, Real Life with Open Hands. Today, as Jesus told Zacchaeus, today I must stay at your house. Through the Holy Eucharist, Jesus offers to come and dwell with us, to remain with us so that we remain with him. With open hands, we receive the Lord Jesus and so dispose ourselves to receive with open hands our brothers and sisters. And you get to pick a couple of workshops to attend, in addition to the uh, Holy Mass with Bishop Soto, in addition to the uh, uh, all the keynote speakers. And I'll tell you, it is, it is really, really wonderful stuff to meet Catholics from all over the diocese. Uh, the times I've, I've been there and the times I've been a presenter of, of one of the workshops— uh, fabulous to to hear the discussions uh and we i remember talking about the domestic church the church at home the parents being you know the first educators of our our children especially in the faith and and just hearing what works for other people in other parts of the diocese oh we tried this in our family or we tried this in our family uh just some great ideas and and there's a lot of exchange that way and uh, Opportunity to talk to people uh, during the workshops, opportunity to talk uh, over lunch or afterwards or in the corridors. Uh, the, the workshops are all in classrooms, and, and they're sort of like a classroom setting, usually a, a, you know, a relatively small group, 15, 20, 25, 30 people, and just, just some wonderful stuff. Uh, one of the keynote speakers, Father Agostino Torres, has been working with youth since his high school days. Now he does this 
giving talks, retreats, and spiritual directions to youth all over the country, but especially in the South Bronx through uh, what he calls Corazon Puro. He is originally from South Texas, came to New York uh, City for a university back in the day, and then uh, uh, he was uh, voted the most spirited senior by his high school friends, and he played football in, in high school. It was in drama and uh, drama and forensics, and then he went to Seton Hall University in New Jersey and received uh, uh, was a, a brownstone public speaking and debate team where he placed nationally in a few events. He's a great, great speaker, a va- great, um, you know, just a wonderful, wonderful, charismatic uh, person. And, uh, yeah, so he's really, really going to be a tremendous uh, keynoter. Also, Catherine Angulo, uh, who... Uh, as the program director of the Thriving in Ministry Initiative, Catherine directs uh, four important outreach efforts as she works to prepare pastoral leaders for long-term ministry, provides intellectual and spiritual renewal for invited diocesan priests, is partnering with Escali to create cultures of affiliation in the U.S. Hispanic Catholic Church, and also she seeks to repropose the Holy Family of Nazareth as the foundation for catechetical renewal within the domestic Hispanic Church, and she uh, uh, just will also be a wonderful keynote here. Uh, her, her topic is building a culture of Eucharistic hospitality. We'll take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in healthcare, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of Ministry of Mi- Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley and Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley and Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916 638 4600. 
and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. This is Deacon Kevin Stasco, the Director of the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry and Family and Faith Formation, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Deacon Kevin, for that wonderful introduction and for all you do here in the diocese. And speaking of Deacon Kevin Stasco, he was the brainchild behind On Fire coming up Saturday, September 16, all day, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. at Six Flags Discovery Kingdom in the great city of Vallejo, and we're just pleased and honored to have Maggie Craig, who is going to be the keynoter at On Fire. Join us by phone. Maggie, good day to you. Hi, Bob. Great to speak with you. Great to speak with you. Where are you right now? I am currently in, oh, I'm, I'm outside of Los Angeles, California, so Los, not that far away. Well, the, it's the same state. A city of angels. Yes, yes it in, is. Yes, indeed. But you're from where, Ohio, New Jersey? Both are correct. My family moved a lot growing up. Uh, we're not military, but I've moved every couple of years, so I'm blessed to have many homes throughout <laughs> the United States. But I've lived in Los Angeles since early 2020. What brought you to Los Angeles? The beach. <laughs> <laughs> um, you sound like my kids. <laughs> I, come on, it's, it's appealing. I time for my job so it doesn't really matter where I live as long as I'm near an airport mm-hmm. I had friends out in California I was working a lot in California I wanted a beautiful place to be able to rest and recover in between traveling so Los Angeles was the perfect place oh that's great that's great uh, so tell us uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this uh, full-time speaking if you will yes praise be to God it's such a gift Bob it's it's a career that I never imagined for myself. I didn't think it was possible. I didn't know it was a real thing until it really just fell in my lap. Um, so I was blessed to go to Franciscan University of Steubenville mm-hmm. outside of Pittsburgh, and right. I got my undergrad and master's degree in theology. And as I was studying Jesus, I started working in ministry. I was working as a youth minister. I was working in the summer times with Life Teen Summer Camp. Mm-hmm. And I just started getting invitations to speak. If you hang around ministry long enough, you will be put to work. Yes. So I was put to work giving talks, and I had so much fun. It just started connecting with people, and my name just started spreading around, and I started getting invited to speak to places while I was still in college. And I did that part-time until I got my degree, and then a couple great people mentored me, and I was able to launch and do it full-time, and I've been doing it uh, full-time for, like, seven years. Wow. And it's a huge, it's so it's such a blessing. I'm, I'm so happy to talk about it and give God the glory because this, I, I love my job and the gift of this ministry. So do you primarily talk to youth groups, or is it, can you be pigeonholed that way, or is it anybody and everybody? Bob, I listen to, I think anyone who will listen, and even those who won't especially confirmation kids. <laughs> I, I, I'd love to speak to everyone. I just got booked to speak to the kindergartners, to third graders at a local church. I speak to like a senior citizens formation. I love to speak to every different audience because then it keeps it fun and fresh for me. Mm-hmm. As a young adult myself, I, I do end up speaking at a lot of youth and young adult events, but I, I truly love to speak to people of all ages because I'm just reminded of the universality of the church. I love to learn from other people as well. Um, 
there's there's a lot of great active ministry in youth and young adults, so I do that a lot. But every chance I can get, I love to speak to a different audience or a different demographic. Can Can you give us a for instance? You get a you get a call, you get an email, you get a text. What and somebody wants you to speak somewhere? Can Can you give us a for instance, like what your next thing would be, what it involves? Yes. Sure. So I just got an email like ten minutes ago from um, a parish in Houston. They want me to come speak at their retreat. I check my calendar. I see if I'm free. If I'm free, I say yes, and then we worry about prices later. Um, I'm not in this profession to get rich. (laughs) The Lord always provides, but as long as I have the time free, I say yes to an event and accept whatever can be provided for its uh, finances within reason. Um, and then we will talk about the vision. We'll talk about what they want to accomplish, what I can share, talk about the theme, the length of the event, anything particular they want me to address or to focus on. Um, and then we communicate a bit. If the event gets closer, then I get on a plane, fly there, have an amazing time, meet some great people. My faith is bolstered. And then I come home and sleep and wow. uh, do it all over again a few days later. So how, how many of these would you do, say, in a year? It's very seasonal, Bob. So, like, January, I don't really do much work. But Uh October, I'm working every other day, sometimes multiple times a day. Um, I don't know. This year, I'm booked every weekend Mm -hmm. um, and multiple times throughout the week. So, I'd say maybe 60, 70 events a year, maybe 80. Do you go to other countries? I just Yes, I have. I just got back from England. Mm-hmm. That was wonderful. I've been to New Zealand. So those are the two countries I've been to so far. Looking forward to go to more. But Isn't the more a, I travel the United States, the more I, the more I love it. So it, I, I love my country, but it is fun to share with it, other countries Isn't well. the, the flight from Los Angeles to New Zealand one of the longest in the world? <laughs> it was pretty long. <laughs> it, was, it was 13 hours. Uh, oh, wow. And it was, it was direct. So, I, I mean, I'm just really good at sleeping. So I just slept the whole time, ate a bunch of snacks, watched a movie. So I'm blessed to be able to sleep anywhere, no matter the circumstance. I was happy when we landed, but it, it wasn't that painful for me. I just got to sleep. Well, I think if I was on a plane 13 hours, I'd probably just be a resident of Auckland right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was very beautiful. I did not want to go home. Well, not that is a beautiful place, place isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Have you been? I haven't, but I've seen. I've I, I've. I read National Geographic. You know, it's like, it's amazing. Yeah, you watch Lord of the Rings, and, yeah. and that's and that's what it is. It's basically just an advertisement for New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, I've I've known a lot of people from New Zealand. Uh, I grew up in a university town that had a, a lot of international mm. students, and and they would just rave about it and show you pictures and wow. and yeah, yeah. What, a, what a gorgeous place. Not a, a tremendously Catholic country. Catholic event, so mm-hmm. the people that I met there were very Catholic. They There's do have a city a named Christchurch. That is so true. What a beautiful town. What a great name. Yeah, what a great uh, name. I, I meet Catholics everywhere that I go, sure. because as soon as people meet me, they know that I'm Catholic. So I met a lot of wonderful Catholics there. The faith seemed very alive and well. But it's, you know, it's like all places. You attract, if you're an outspoken joyful Catholic, you'll attract those people no matter where you are. Um, but it's a very beautiful country. Maybe yeah. on a 13-hour flight, you should be giving a <laughs> workshop right on the flight. <laughs> I had my 
Bible out. I had my rosary. I was talking to God out loud when we were taking off. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. <laughs> I've done that a few times. Yeah. I bet you have. <laughs> I bet you have. <laughs> no, that's great. So, so have you ever been to On Fire? Never have. See, I'm a, very excited to be part of it. It's a new challenge, huh? I mean, it, it oh, is, it, it is a, a different, I, I can imagine it's a different, it's just different enough each time you speak that it, it really keeps your interest going. Absolutely. I, it's almost like a new challenge. It's, it's new people. It's a different atmosphere. I love to be on my toes. Um, encountering the people kind of changed the nature of my talk as well based on how they're reacting and I can't wait to hear people screaming in the background, not because they love what I say, but because they're on roller coasters. I think that's going to be fun. <laughs> well, according to the organizers, you're going to be giving your talk while you're on an o- a roller coaster. That's what I heard as well. Yeah. I heard so, as well. <laughs> so you're the one that's going to be screaming. <laughs> there will, the, the name of Jesus will be loudly proclaimed as they go screaming down a roller coaster. <laughs> I, I, I uh, took a, a couple of my kids to Six Flags earlier in the summer oh my goodness mm. you know i mean they 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 got off that one ride i was watching uh, I, they get off yeah. one ride and oh my goodness they were wobbling they they, they were smiling yeah. it was great you know but they were yeah. they were wobbling as they uh, got on uh, you know <laughs> terra firma and it was, it was <laughs> terra firma <laughs> yeah, it was and you know, I mean, we, we get earthquakes in this. This, and they looked like they looked like they were walking in an earthquake. It's <laughs> so. a paid earthquake experience. Yes, indeed. That yeah. you wait in line for. <laughs> so, what did they tell you when when they reached out to you for on fire? How did they describe the event to you? They said, "Hello, this is an event at Six Flags. It's, there's going to be a cool location, cool people." There's going to be things that you love, like math and reconciliation and adoration. Are you free this weekend? And I said, say no more. This is, this is all I ever want to be a part of. <laughs> well, I, I, love, I love speaking in California. Like I said, I, I love to travel anywhere, but I live in California for a reason, and I, I really believe in California as a, a place for the new evangelization, as a place for mm-hmm. revival. Mm-hmm. So anytime I can speak in California, I'm, I'm particularly excited. And at Six Flags, come on. What a great location, because that could attract people who might not ever set foot in a church or might not be convinced to go on a retreat. If you say, hey, come to Six Flags, yeah. and there'll be some Jesus stuff, you can, you can lure them in. You can invite them in in a, in a really exciting way. And I think if you, if you give people something that is cool and fun, and you say, hey, let me, now that you're interested, let me tell you about something even more incredible. Let me tell you about the living God. I think they're a lot more primed to be open than maybe they wouldn't be. They would be at a different location. So they told me it's a six flag. You'll give a couple talks. There'll be great sacraments. And I said yes. I'm. I'm all in. Let's go. Well, yeah. It's it's interesting because uh, you know there's a couple of hours there where they they close the park down and the only ones let in. Are people from you know that are are so cool. uh, on fire? So I'm thinking that's a, there's going to be a lot of baptisms right then. Amen. <laughs> a lot of Amen. people in line say, "I'm Catholic. I'm Catholic. Yes, I am. Let me in the yes. park." <laughs> Listen, the Lord accepts people no matter their motivation. That's right. That's right. God makes saints out of all of us sinners. That's, that's really funny. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, so. 
yeah, it, it, it's, it really is a wonderful, wonderful event. And uh, it's hugely attended. I mean, and, and all, uh, like nine dioceses participate. Uh, it originated with the Diocese of Sacramento with Deacon Kevin Stasco, but uh, just, uh, you know, it's Archdiocese of San Francisco, uh, Diocese of Fresno, Diocese of Stockton, uh, Reno, uh, they come over, they actually bring buses oh, for the kids. And yeah, just just all kinds of have you been up in Northern California very much? I have a few times. It's, it's been a while. Um, and I, I'm actually going to be in like Petaluma the week after. Oh, okay. um, I, but it's, it's been a while. But I've been to San Francisco and Antioch. And I don't know. I think that was when I was still in college. But I'm so happy to be back at uh, such a beautiful part of the country and a part of my state. It really, it really is. It's, a, you know, it's different. And here we are. We are in the city named after the Blessed Sacrament. How's how's that? Oh the capital gosh. of the most oh populous state. I yeah. have to write that down. You're so right. Yeah. I think I remember that every couple months, and I, like, freak out, and I get so excited, and then I'm like, wait, I, I knew that. I knew that, but still, that's very, very exciting. And yeah, I mean, it's the, cap- it's the capital city of the most populous state in the country, and, and you've been in Europe. You've been all over the world. Mm-hmm. You know if you say you're from the United States, they go fine. When you say you're from California, they go, oh, my gosh, California. Yeah. It's magic. They love it almost more than you do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I, I remember so I've, told, I've told this story before, but when I was a kid growing up here, uh, we were it was in public schools, which, you know, I'm rooting for everybody in the public schools, too. And, mm-hmm. But it was, I was probably third or fourth grader, and we were studying, you know, California geography and I said so what what is the city of Sacramento named after to my teacher mm. and she kind of turned white and you know uh-oh uh-oh that's a loaded question yeah. and, and she says I'll get back to you and okay. a, f- a few <laughs> days later she kind of motioned me up after class and she says I have a I have an answer she was very pleased with herself she says I have an answer for you and I knew the answer you know I was being kind of mm. a smart aleck and mm-hmm. and she says, she says it's named after the Sacramento River. <laughs> oh, yeah. God bless her. Yeah. God bless her. Exactly. God bless her. Yeah. You know? And I love that you knew you were just stirring the pot. You were starting your evangelization early. Early, yes. Very early. <laughs> With an interesting technique. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't keep silent about it even yeah. then. And, I mean, we have the City of Angels. We have, I mean, if, if. If ever, if anybody ever wondered, uh, you know, uh, you know, this so-called separation of church and state, which is not in the Constitution, but that's another issue. Yeah. But they'd have to rename <laughs> every, talk for another time. Yeah, <laughs> they'd have to rename almost half the cities in California because they're all named after Catholic saints, or angels, or the Blessed Sacrament. You know, Saint Francis and and uh, you know. Uh, uh, St. James and uh, on and on and on. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so. I think people forget because it's not Saint so and so. It's like San yeah, it's or San Santa. Or, or Santa. And yeah. I think it it goes out of the brain, and you you don't just think of it. You just think it has like Hispanic or, or Mexican origin, and, and you forget it's, it's Catholic. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, do you know the way to San Jose? San Jose, just you know, always thinking Saint Joseph. They're just San Jose. Yeah. You know, it's. It, but it's great. It's subtle. It's it's stealth Catholicism. I love stealth Catholicism. There's yeah. a time and a place for overt Catholicism. Right. You know, as a Catholic speaker, 
But that, that self-Catholicism is such... I mean, that's what this event is. It's on fire. It's inviting people into the experience of Six Flags and being like, while you're here, let me teach you about Jesus Christ. It's easy. It's clever. It's not bludgeoning someone over the head with truth. It's presenting it in a subtle way, which yeah. I love. And the, the other part of Six Flags, which is great, is it's an all-you-can-eat lunch. I mean, how, how can no. you beat that? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I would not lie over the air. That is amazing, but also dangerous, because all-you-can-eat well, in conjunction with roller coasters. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, you, what you, an you, interesting you, challenge. You have to kind of do those separate. You, you, have, know? you have to be smart. Yeah. This is the proper separation, not of church and state, but of all-you-can-eat buffets and roller coasters. Yeah, <laughs> I made the mistake one time, went on a roller coaster after uh, drinking an Orange Julius. Uh, oh, that was a bad mistake. Yeah. Recovering? Yeah. So, yeah. Good to know. I'll, I'll start... I'll start prepping my stomach. I'll start the novenas. <laughs> I'll start praying now. We, we, we won't invite that guy, Joey Chestnut, who wins the hot the Nathan's hot dog oh thing. We will not invite him to, to Six Flags. Something. I, he knows something that we don't know, and I would love to learn from him his technique. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even imagine. I think he ate... 68 hot dogs or something in 10 minutes yeah uh, you know I, I i remember i remember just thinking okay you know I, I, don't go crazy but how many hot dogs could you eat just in one sitting even if it was an hour and i probably th- four I, that's what i'm thinking maybe four maybe and if, I, if i really had to force it down i was going to win a million dollars or something maybe i yeah. could eat five but 68 yeah. it's like mind-boggling well that I mean, that's not even food at that point. It's, it's just it's transportation. It's moving the food from one location to another. They dip the <laughs> hot dogs in water. What is that? I the only thing I like to dip my hot dog is, in is like pickle relish yes. and onions. But that would slow the process down, apparently. Yeah, yeah. dramatically. You would not be a winner. But. No, I would, I would be a winner in the eyes of the Lord, but not in that hot dog contest. <laughs> Well, Maggie, it's such a joy to talk with you. Everybody's excited that you're going to come out here and uh, uh, have, have a safe trip here. And uh, it's a short, short plane ride, so have a have a uh, have a uh, safe trip here. And uh, uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on uh, the 16th at Six Flags. Thank you so much, Bob. God bless you. God, God bless you too, Maggie. Take care. That's uh, Maggie Craig, uh, who's the keynote for uh, the uh, Six Flags. Uh, September 16th, go to onfirenorcal.com, onfire, N-O-R-C-A-L, onfirenorcal.com, September 16th, uh, Saturday at Six Flags. That's tomorrow. It begins at 9 a.m. and runs through 9 p.m. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. Speed.